0: Bringing you the latest research, tools, and common sense tips you need to get and stay healthy. It's Talk Healthy Today. Here's Lisa Davis. The other day, a good friend of mine called me and said, Lisa, I just read the most incredible book. It's a complete guide to fasting. Heal your body through intermittent alternate day and extended fasting. It's by Dr. Jason Fung. And I said, oh, yeah, I know him. (laughs) We're going to be on a TV show together. And uh, I think he's fantastic. He's like, oh, my gosh. So, Dr. Fung, you have many, 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 many fans I know and many people who uh, follow your incredible advice, including my friend Mark. So I wanted to just mention that. And uh, it got me even more excited, even though I was already thrilled to speak with you. Uh, Dr. Jason Fung is uh, trained in Los Angeles and Toronto as a kidney specialist. And for him, it became obvious that conventional medical treatments were failing patients and he started uh the or he founded the intensive dietary management program he's the author of the obesity code the complete guide to fasting and the diabetic code he joins us now dr fung hello
1: hi great to be here
0: well it's great to have you on i have to say my friend mark has incredible taste so whenever he recommends a book uh, because of what i do i pro- i usually already have it but it's still nice to hear him you know get super <laughs> excited about it so I want to talk about this because in the book The Complete Guide to Fasting, you know you you asked the perfect question which I was going to ask you. You write, "How did I go from preaching conventional medicine to prescribing intensive dietary strategies including fasting?" So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about your background and also what brought you to this and and when did you realize this was such an amazing thing?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I was trained very conventionally sort of uh, as any other doctor. And I'm a kidney specialist, so I deal a lot with type 2 diabetes because it's by far and away the most common cause of kidney failure. So when their kidneys fail, I put them on dialysis, and that's usually where I get involved. And so for many, many years, we had been taught that uh, as long as you get your blood glucose down, then you're going to see benefits from it. So we gave people lots and lots of medications to get their blood Uh, sugars down, but it didn't really make any difference. So, clinically, I didn't see much difference. That is, people still got sick. They still got their kidney failure. They still had their heart attacks and so on. And in 2008, 2009, we actually got all the studies to prove that what we were doing was completely sort of incorrect. It wasn't making anybody healthier. So, giving lots of insulin, giving lots of pills... Uh, for blood glucose uh, didn't make any difference. And so then I thought, wow, that's really interesting because it was sort of the bedrock of how we were treating type 2 diabetes. And it had just been proven that the whole thing was basically uh, useless. So the problem was that most of conventional medicine didn't change their practice. They just sort of made excuses for why it wouldn't work, but never really changed um, changed their their sort of thinking about it, so I thought that's really bad. so I started thinking about it, and then once you start thinking about it, um, the solution sort of becomes obvious that is if type two diabetes is is causing the kidney failure, then you've got to get rid of the type two diabetes and for a long time, people told told. told Uh, patients, we told patients that that was type 2 diabetes is sort of chronic and irreversible and you just can't reverse it. But the truth is that that was just a big lie because of course type 2 diabetes is reversible. We've proven it with some of our studies with weight loss surgery, for example. And also, if you have a friend who is type 2 diabetic or pre-diabetic and they lose 50 pounds, almost for sure that type 2 diabetes will go away. So here we knew for sure that this disease which we had been calling chronic and progressive, was actually a reversible disease. So therefore, the only the only logical conclusion was that the problem wasn't the disease. The problem was our treatment of the disease. That is, the, the drugs that we had been using to treat the disease was not making the underlying condition worse. It was basically hiding it. So it's basically a bandage over a bullet hole. Like you can cover it up with your medicines, but you weren't making the underlying condition better. So that's why things were getting worse. So that's where I became interested in looking at it. And then when you think about it, it becomes obvious. And so I write about it in the diabetes code, which is, if you think about type 2 diabetes, the disease is actually a disease of too much sugar in the body, not just the blood, but the whole body. So if you take a drug like insulin, what it does is it takes the sugar from your blood, and it just shoves it into your body. Now, your body has too much sugar already. But what you're doing is you're hiding it away because you're shoving it from the blood into your body. So when you check the blood, you say, wow, the blood sugar is nice. So just like the bandage over a bullet hole, you can't see Mm. all the problems, but they're still there underneath the surface. And we're just kicking the can down the road. And that's exactly what we have been doing. So if the problem now is too much sugar in the body and all that sugar is basically rotting away the organs, then the solution becomes easy to see. All you have to do is either one, don't put more sugar into your body, or two, let your body burn it off. So exercise is, is, is useful, but it's not a very effective way to get rid of the sugar. Why can't you instead use something like intermittent fasting, which is a dietary strategy? So again, what we see is that you have a condition, type 2 diabetes, which is a largely dietary disease. And we're throwing a bunch of drugs at it and wondering why we weren't making a difference. And the difference was you're, you haven't addressed the root cause, which is the diet. So therefore, the disease cannot get better. So because it wasn't getting better, the doctors were saying, well, I don't understand. I have a disease, I'm giving lots of drugs, and it's not getting better. It just must be like that. Not sort of facing the fact that their treatments were completely the wrong treatments. So you need a dietary disease, you have a dietary disease, you need a dietary treatment. And that's where we started. Uh, so in our, in our intensive dietary management program, we started guiding people through low-carbohydrate diets and intermittent fasting because if you don't eat for a period of time, what's going to happen is that your body will naturally burn off all that sugar that's actually making you sick. And as your body burns off all that sugar, that type 2 diabetes just reverses.
0: That's incredible. You know, I I want to go back to one of the things you were saying about the medication in the book that I mentioned, the Complete Guide to Fasting. Uh, you write that uh, insulin causes insulin resistance, and I was like, wow, that I I never knew that, and I don't think most people know that, right? You think of insulin as the answer.
1: Yeah, and the, the thing about it is that this is um, insulin is a natural hormone. And it's about getting the levels right. So if you have too much insulin, so if you eat a lot of sugar, eat a lot of refined carbohydrates, then insulin goes way up. And insulin basically takes the blood sugar and shoves it into the cell. And the cell is supposed to burn it off for energy. So if you have, for example, you eat during the day, and you're putting energy into the cell and then you fast during the night you burn off that energy that's in the cell so if you start eating all the time if you just keep you know eating the minute you get up eat till the moment you go to bed and you're eating a lot of refined carbohydrates what you're doing is putting a lot of glucose into the cell the cell sort of swells up and then uh, just like if you put um if you have a sort of a balloon and you overfill it it's just harder and harder to push it in. So the insulin is trying to shove the sugar into the cell that's already full of sugar. So you develop this sort of insulin resistance. And the answer is not to use more insulin, because that's the answer. So just like if you have a suitcase, for example, and you're putting clothes in, but now it's full. If you try and put more clothes in, you need more force to push it down. But the answer is not to get a friend and have the two of you try and close your suitcases. The answer is to get rid of all that clothes. So the answer is that the insulin, because it's been working so long, has, has caused this insulin resistance but it's an overflow phenomenon, just like the overfilled suitcase. The answer is not to use more insulin because if you keep putting shirts into that suitcase, it's going to get worse. So therefore, over yeah. time, you're going to require higher and higher doses. But that's exactly what we've done for people. We've just kept putting more sugar into our bodies and then using more insulin to shove it in so that we can't see it. The better solution is to get rid of it. So insulin, Too much insulin is what's causing the insulin resistance. That's why, that's why the sugar can't go in because it's already full. So that's the insulin resistance. So too much insulin has caused the insulin resistance, but the root cause of it, of the insulin resistance, is too much insulin, which is caused ultimately by too much sugar. So just get rid of that yeah. sugar. That's the answer to the whole question. And that's what we need to let people know. So the, the reason that intermittent fasting is so powerful is that because it gets to the heart of type 2 diabetes and prediabetes, that's the actual problem. When you fix the actual problem, as in let your body burn off the sugar, then everything goes away. But here's the thing. It's a completely natural solution. It's been used for thousands and thousands of years. Like people have been fasting. If you look at any major religion in the world, they have periods of fasting. So it's a natural a solution that's been used for thousands of years. We're not trying to give more medications. We're trying to take it away. We're not trying to do more surgery. It's a free therapy that anybody can do for themselves tomorrow. So it allows people to take control of their own health. That is, if you have type 2 diabetes or pre-diabetes, all of a sudden you can do something about it tomorrow for free as opposed to, oh, I need to go see my doctor and see what expensive medication they're going to put me on and what sort of side effects I'm going to get with those. Oh, maybe he'll give me insulin so that I'll gain 20 pounds. Mm Because one of the the main side effects (laughs) of insulin, which is a sort of standard medication for type 2 diabetes, is weight gain. So if you're gaining weight, how is your type 2 diabetes going to get better? And the answer is that it's not. It's getting worse. So the solutions we had used were not actually part of the solution. They were actually part of the problem. And instead, we can use these natural dietary solutions. Now, you know, intermittent fasting and so on It's not fun, right? I'd rather eat donuts myself. But the point <laughs> is that if you are sick, you can do something about it. And you can take control of your own health. And that's what we're all about. So we have a, a website, um, which is IDM.com program dot com which is the intensive dietary management program, and we help people with it because it's a lot of work, and it's a lot easier for somebody to to do it in a group and have some people help you and you know get some tips and all that sort of stuff so there is help for that uh, when I started talking about fasting four or five years ago. There was nothing. There was nothing out there. And everybody thought I was just incredibly crazy. It was like the silliest thing they had ever heard about. And it's like, why? You don't eat, your sugars will come down. Your sugars come down, you don't need medications. If you don't eat, your body will use up body fat. Because guess what? That's what body fat is for. It's a form of stored food energy. So let your body use it. It's natural. The cavemen did it. The prehistoric men did it. Why can't we do it? And the answer is there's actually no reason that we can't do it other than people want you to buy their food. That's the only reason we don't tell people about this sort of solution that's like staring at them in the face. I mean, it's so obvious because if, if you were to ask a five-year-old, how could you lose weight? They'd say, don't eat. It's like, well, that's the simplest, <laughs> that's the correct answer.
0: <laughs> that is true. You, you know, Dr. Fung, I want to get into, for people who aren't familiar, what is intermittent fasting? Because they might think, is, is that a few days or is it, you know, just like a 14, 16 hour period? Talk to us about this.
1: It is any period of time that you're not eating. So you got to remember that in the 1970s, we considered a 12 to 14 hour fast every single day to be normal. That's just the way you ate. So, you ate breakfast at, say, 7 a.m., you ate dinners, for example, at 7 p.m., 12 hours that you're eating, and 12 hours where you don't eat. So, at night when you're sleeping and also in the evening time, you're not eating. So, you're fasting for 12 hours. So, if you remember, when you eat, you, your body stores food energy. When you don't eat, when you fast, your body uses up that food energy. So if you balance those two, the feeding and the fasting, your, your weight is going to remain relatively stable. So then if you want to lose weight, You just need to shift it so that your body has more time to burn food energy as opposed to storing food energy. So you give it more time. So you go 16 hours, for example. So that's a very common uh, sort of regimen. It's also called time-restricted eating, where you fast for 16 hours of the day and you eat for 8 hours of the day. So, for example, from 11 to 7, you'll eat. Uh, But outside of those times, you don't. And that's a 16-8 schedule. You could push that to like a twenty-four hour schedule, so you eat from you, you eat dinner and then you don't eat again until dinner, so twenty-three and a half hours of fasting, and that's called a one meal a day schedule. So you go from lunch to lunch or dinner to dinner, and you could do that two, three, four times a week. Some people do it every day and feel just fine. Um, oh, and wow. then after that, you go into the longer schedule, so that's more the extended fasting, which is sort of like. Um, two days, three days, four days. So you can go up kind of as much as you want. Um, and there's there's different you know, advantages and disadvantages of the schedules. For example, the most important thing really is to make sure that you're feeling well, that you're not sick, that your doctor knows about it, so that if you are on medication, that you're you're um, you're covered for that. Um, and to, to make sure that, uh, you know, you're, you're seeing the results that you you want to see. Um, so that's, that's the main thing. So it can be any, any sort of length of time, uh, that you want. So, you know, simply extending, extending it to a 16 hour fast is pretty easy for a lot of people to do, for example.
0: Yeah. I want to try that right now. I'm doing a 14 hour one. I stop eating, I eat before 6 PM, like I made dinner around 5.00. And then I don't I don't eat again until eight. But I was thinking of pushing it till nine and just seeing. I'm just curious. (laughs) Yeah. I don't really have much weight to lose, but I just want to see what it's like, how I feel, because I'm always nervous that I'm just going to be so hungry. Like, I can't imagine doing just dinner to dinner if you're working out in between. I mean, does that make a difference if you're super active or I guess your body gets um, used to it?
1: Not at all. Your body gets used to it. And so remember, sort of the 14 hour fast used to be normal. And that's where the word breakfast comes in. Meal that breaks your fast means if you're not fasting, Ah, you can't break your fast. Therefore, it's part of an everyday sort of life. And we've gone from this sort of idea in the 1970s where, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner. And then if you tried to get an after school snack, your mom would say, you know, you're going to ruin your dinner. And if you know, if you tried to get a bedtime snack, <laughs> they should have eaten more at dinner, right? And it's like, okay, well, how do we go from you there, which mother. is normal? <laughs> 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 and we went from normal healthy to, oh, yeah. the minute you get up, you got to start shoving stuff into your mouth. And I don't care if you're not hungry. Here, take this processed cereal bar with sugar on it. And then, oh, you got to keep eating through the day. So you look at my son's schedule when they're in grade school, for example, and it's like breakfast, mid-morning snack, lunch, after-school snack, dinner. And then if you went to play soccer, oh, between the halves of the dinner, parents thought it was a good idea to have some juice and cookies. And then we're like, oh, I wonder why they're gaining weight. I'm like, because you're eating Mm -hmm. six times a day, a lot of processed foods, juice and cookies and all this sort of stuff, and they don't stop eating until they go to bed. It's like, when are you supposed to digest that food? That's the question. So we've gone from from sort of three meals a day to sort of six to ten meals a day, and you see that in studies of sort of normal American behavior. So if you're working out, for example, just keep in mind that when I used to go out and play at night, my mom was not chasing me with some juice and cookies. (laughs) It was like, you want to go out and play, you go out and play. That's why you ate dinner. Uh, You don't need any more food energy. If your body needs it, it will take it from the body fat because that's what it's there for. There's no reason why you actually have to start shoving food in your mouth in order to go ride a bicycle. If your body needs more food energy, it will take it from the stores that you have. One pound of fat is going to be somewhere around 3,500 calories. So use it. Mm Why would you want to put food into your mouth so that you can't use that body fat? Isn't that the whole point, is to let your body use it up?
0: You know, Dr. Fung, all I can picture is your mom chasing you with some food. I mean, <laughs> <when> you are <laughs> a kid. Oh, so true. Now, do you you get a lot of pushback from the mainstream conventional medicine community and diabetes saying, what are you talking about? Just let them take their medicine because it just seems like that's where they make money. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, it's a whole racket, I think.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's been a huge racket because the the pharmaceutical companies, the food companies, they love it if you keep taking uh, more food and more insulin. It's like, why don't you take less food? and less insulin because that's the way you're going to get rid of your type 2 diabetes not eating 10 times a day and then taking enough insulin to cover it because you're going to eat insulin's going to turn that into fat you're going to gain weight and that diabetes is not going to get better so the whole the whole thing is that the, the there's so many uh conflicts of interest um in that and unfortunately the it, it's a bit of a racket that the American public doesn't always know about but the the drug companies for example spend a huge huge dollars advertising essentially to doctors so they will come in they will sponsor all these events they'll take doctors to fancy dinners so to promote their drugs they they pay uh, university doctors to give lectures about how great their uh, drugs are and um, that they spend more on marketing than they do on research and development. So instead of spending money to develop new drugs that will benefit us all, they spend money to advertise the doctors to prescribe the drugs that are available and not making us better. So it's it's it's, a, it's sort of a giant scam. Uh, why we yes. allow it? I don't really know. Like, um, we don't allow, for example, judges to take money from whatever company they want to. We don't allow policemen to yeah, take, oh, hey, right. you know, take this money. Or we don't allow uh, tobacco companies to start advertising to doctors. Of why do we allow, you know, why do we allow this sort of conflict of interest? And that's the sort of thing that really needs political pressure for people to say, you know what, enough is enough we can't have companies paying off judges and doc, uh, and policemen so we shouldn't have companies paying off doctors either the american public deserves better and then you can say then doctors who are good people i mean let's i know lots of doctors nobody is 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 uh, you know knowingly does this um but you get advertised to so much by food companies, drug companies, and so on, that they believe that they're doing the best for their patients by giving all these drugs. And food companies, you know, they, they advertise to dieticians, and dieticians start saying, oh, you should eat 10 times a day. Like, who thought that was a good idea? Like, it didn't come from science. <laughs> but you go out there, and and everybody tells you, oh, you should eat eat 10 times a day. I'm like, okay, you want to eat 10 times a day to lose weight. Okay, that sounds really stupid, because it is really stupid. <laughs> there's no way you should be eating all the time. It doesn't make sense. Where in the history of humanity has anybody eaten 10 times a day? Like we have work to do. That's what people would have told you in the middle ages, like in 1400, nobody's going, Oh, I should really eat 10 times a day. I'll bring a little snack, you know, I'll get out in the field and I'll have a few nuts. And then it's like, come on, you eat. And then you work. if, you didn't eat enough, your body will take that energy from its stores of body fat. That's it. You didn't worry about it more than that. Now we think our body That's is true. so stupid that we need to, to wake up every two hours and start shoving muffins into our mouths in order to survive and be healthy. It's like, who thought that? Like Those ideas <laughs> oh don't goodness. just come about themselves. Those ideas are yeah. propagated by advertising. And unfortunately, as I said, Why do we allow people like Coca-Cola to advertise to dietitians? Like, the American public deserves better. Like, you can't have registered dietitian associations like we do taking huge dollar contributions from Coca-Cola, from food companies, and all this. Like... Uh, why don't you just let them pay everybody they can pay teachers they can pay you know policemen they can pay firemen you know it's like well, why Why do we allow this like why don't we say well this is a health issue the public health issue nobody gets paid you want to be a doctor okay then you don't get paid by a drug company you want to be a dietitian okay then you don't get paid by by the food companies if you want to be an association of dietitians, you don't take money from these people. Like, would you allow a tobacco company to pay the Cancer Society? Like, I wouldn't, because no we deserve better. Same idea, right? So, a lot of these ideas don't come from science. Uh, who are and, and doctors and dietitians, like the, the 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 sort of frontline staff, because for the most part they're all people who are sort of want to help, but they don't even realize the sort of conflicts of interest that their associations, that the universities. So the universities are the worst. They take money from anybody who will pay them, and then they give <laughs> you whatever message that they want to give. So yeah, so you have universities taking money from. From companies to do biased research, they pass those biased views on to the frontline staff who are just sort of earnestly trying to get better. like they're trying to give the best advice, but the advice to eat 10 times a day it's, it's wrong because you, you've sort of got corruption at the top level. So that's where, that's where these ideas come from. They're bad ideas, but they all come from people who you know they've spent years advertising these, these sort of positions.
0: It's so true. You know, Dr. Fung, you can come on the show as often as you like. I think you are incredible. You're really making a difference out there. And I'm just such a huge fan. And I'm thrilled that uh, we're both going to be working on the show reverse. I just want to give Charles Maddox a shout out. He's fabulous. If you miss season one, you'll have to see it. We're, we're going to be in season two of reversed where you are so needed because the show is about diabetes and helping people with type two diabetes. In the meantime, Dr. Fung, tell us all the places we can find you.
1: Yeah, so you can find me on my website. It's uh, idmprogram.com. And we have programs for, we have a lot of free material. So if people want to just go there and read the free stuff, that's great. We also have sort of a membership community where people can join and be part of a community that's trying to get themselves healthier. And then if you want sort of a more small group contact with the educator, then we have that as well. So that's our programs that we offer to people. And then you can also get my books the diabetes code which talks about reversal of diabetes, the obesity code which talks about what causes weight gain, which uh, it always surprises people that calories is really not the way to think about things. Um and then the complete guide to fasting which is a much more practical guide on how to sort of introduce intermittent fasting and use it in different schedules and so on. Um and then you can follow me on Twitter, it's uh, Dr. Jason Fung if, if if you're interested. I also write a weekly blog. Um that's uh you can you can you know read about it's mostly topics on nutrition and and science and sometimes conflicts of interest as well <laughs>
0: Yes. Well, I would love to have you back anytime. If you want to find out more, you can go to itsyourhealthwithlisadavis.com. You can also follow me at Twitter at health Media gal, the number one and at talk healthy, the number two day. Thank you everyone for listening. And Dr. Fung, I'm going to bump my intermittent fasting up to 16 hours and I'll have you back in a month or so if you want to come back and let you know how I'm doing. Thank you so much, everybody. Stay well.